Welcome back, everyone. On today's episode, we talk about the recent Super Bowl halftime performance. We also discuss our upcoming Valentine's Day plans. And I let you in on a little secret of my life. We hope you enjoy the episode and feel free to subscribe and rate us wherever good podcasts are kept. Oh, God, I am so sick of you. <laughs> I think I've seen you for the last five days now. I know, in a row. In a row. And that's not counting all the times you jerked off over me. <laughs> Good to see we're on the straight and narrow, yeah, very yeah. PG podcast as always. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're aiming for this podcast episode to be a bit more serious. So we are. That was a great start. I know. <laughs> How's I'm, your weekend been? Not bad. Very busy. Very busy. I was jumping from one social engagement to the next. Yeah. Did about, oh, did two fringe shows, which was great. Caught up with about 15 friends. 15 um, friends? You don't have 15 friends. Oh, it was just one group party. Oh, okay, I just yeah, stretched yeah. out over the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. No, it was just super busy and great. Like, I'm really into the the rhythm of summer now. I feel like, you know, going out every weekend, every yep. night after work, you know, like it's the weather's a bit cooler, so you can kind of like actually do things outside. Yeah, no, it's great you're in the rhythm of summer because there's only two weeks left, so I know you've it takes, that great. It takes me a long time to do anything, but I'm here. How's yours? Very busy. Um, I actually had the day off today. So for context, it's a Monday. And I didn't ring in sick. Clearly. I actually used annual leave today. So I went to Langmay Festival yesterday. Oh, that's so very it's another new. straight person festival yes is that the hipster one very indie one yeah yeah kind of i'd say so i saw um mole rat jungle giants fred again you're just looking at me with glazed eyes you know what i actually listened to mole rat the other like this morning oh well is that the one that goes i'll go if you go yeah yeah yeah, yeah. all right this is not a music studio (laughs) also we're not licensed for that so we have to pay money now Do you think they're going to come and... Do you think they listen to this? Well, I was going to say that was not a beautiful rendition, so uh, I think uh, they'll just... Oh, uh, uh, no, that's, a, that's <laughs> Lady Gaga. It's <laughs> like so you bloody popped a testicle there. <laughs> so I went to Laneway yesterday and the Super Bowl was on this morning. It so I watched was. that. And Rihanna did the halftime performance. Did you see that? I saw the um, the clips on Reels, like on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was actually a really cool performance. She hadn't performed since 2018. No, and I can see why it was shit. (laughs) Well, it was was amazing because it was her, I think. Right. And like... The Madonna effect. Yeah. Doesn't have to do anything. And and I forgot how many songs of hers are actually really amazing. It was just banger after banger. I... Okay, the bit that I saw, the the kind of 45 seconds that I saw, it's like she was bloody buffering because the sound in her mouth was completely different times. That's I think lip syncing. That's what I was saying. So I watched it with my housemate and I was like, I think she's lip syncing yeah. or she's singing on top of her own voice. Well, there was that, yeah, because yeah. she definitely had the backing track. But even taking that into account, because like the first thing I Googled was Rihanna lip syncing and there was a whole thread yeah. from a news article saying everyone was saying the same thing. Yeah. And the timing was just out. Like she'd she'd be opening her mouth and nothing would come through. That's why I knew. And then it was like vice versa. But, you know, it's like as big as a Super Bowl. They're going to get the audio, right? Like, yeah, but I think it was more of a visual. Like she was on a suspended platform about 30 metres in the air. That's not safe for a pregnant it woman. It was not safe. That's not safe for anyone. Well, there was people dancing on it and the platform was moving. And I was like, wow, this is incredible. Someone's going to die. Like it was just 
Wow, what the hell of a Super Bowl performance that was. <laughs> but yeah. Do you think they'd come back and do it like post-mortem, beyond the grey, yeah. like via a Ouija board <laughs> well, the next year? <laughs> what would they do if someone like actually died on the ground and they had to continue playing the game? Like, would they draw like no, the, the, they the murder line like around oh, the body? Yeah. Like the kind of scene? like the <laughs> classical face down, one hand out to the side, the other one the opposite side. But, you know, I don't think so. I think they would cancel the Super Bowl because – not that it's a good comparison, but do you remember when the fireworks, the Australia Day fireworks got cancelled because someone died on the river? Yes. And I feel like the Perth Sky Show and the Super Bowl, that's like the same watch watching numbers, isn't it? Same audience? Yeah, yeah. Just a couple of million, thousand. Billion. Do you think a do you think a billion people watch the Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah. Oh well, there's only is it seven or eight billion? I think it's the most watched sporting thing in the world but i think the halftime show attracts a lot of intrigue and interest like yeah because they have the you know mm. the a-list celebrities yeah but rihanna fully sent twitter into meltdown like did she oh the pregnancy yeah so i was watching it as i said with my housemate and my housemate was saying oh is she pregnant again and i'm like no don't be rude she's just probably gained weight after popping out a kid last year and oh, then, she had a kid last year yeah she had a kid about 12 months ago okay and it wasn't announced that she was pregnant, but she used the halftime show to tell the world that she was pregnant by like revealing her, I don't know, her, her tummy area. What do you call that part of a female's body? Stomach. Oh, you're the wrong person to ask. Sorry. Her stomach? Her stomach? Her baby bump. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw that. Um, so she revealed her baby bump like suspended in the sky. It was, it was pretty special. And it set Twitter into meltdown because everyone's like, oh, is she pregnant or what was that? And or just like a Vindaloo curry last night, yeah, yeah. which would be really poor planning, especially on those platforms. I didn't see any oh toilet God. Yeah, facilities. They were, they were see-through platforms as well. Oh, God. Yeah, I I agree. Like Super Bowl, biggest sporting event in the world. Lots of people watch. I still can't be bothered to watch. I don't really like sports, so it's not yeah. for me. I will watch the kind of gay icons that they often have during the Super Bowl, right? Because it's often Britney Spears, Madonna. Dr. Dre and Eminem last year, massive gay icons. Missy Elliott, she's camp. Is she lesbian? I don't know. Not I that I, I don't see also, sexuality, so. I also don't know why I'm whispering, <laughs> just in case she's listening. Um, you know what? I reckon, if not lesbian, definitely bi because of the hair, basically. I am making no comment. Oh, really? Yeah. It's okay. I'm Even part though of, I asked the question. Yeah. I yeah. I'm part of the LGBT mafia, just so I can <laughs> I can get away with it. So uh, I, I watched that today and I had the day off and had a bit of a self care day. Mm-hmm. What else did you do? Got my chest and stomach waxed, got Kinky. a massage and had a facial. Now the I'm gonna take you back to the waxing. Because mm-hmm. that is certainly something that not a lot of straight men do. I don't know. I I, I feel like really attractive ones do. What the fuck are you doing getting it done then? <laughs> so do you have to get naked? Uh, how far down does your chest and stomach go? Oh, <laughs> I thought I was thinking Brazilian. <laughs> so you just in your underpants or you pull your shorts down? Yeah, yeah. you just take your shirt off and then oh. you pull your pants down to a certain level that's just above. A certain level, okay. Revealing yeah. your gender and oh. yeah. Surely they would know from the chest area. I don't know. I've got pretty. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, you've got, got voluptuous boobs. So that's kind of. <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought you know what? It's the day before Valentine's Day. Not that I'm seeing anyone tomorrow, but I might as well have someone touch my body. Oh god. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> Valentine's Day. Yeah. So it is Valentine's Day tomorrow, and yeah, what are, what have been your experiences with it? 
Um, it's a day where we celebrate love with a significant other. So uh, it's been the exact same thing for the last 27 years. Oh, ouch. I usually do like a, a friend's, friend's time day or what do you call it? Galentine's, Galentine's day. day, yeah. Yeah, no, I've always looked on those people and thought like, oh, that's so lame. Like, poor them. But <laughs> you know, the truth comes out now. Well, I was sort of a bit tragic. I don't think I've ever been in a relationship when it's been Valentine's Day, so... I definitely have, but Flex. this year, having been recently dumped, I am spending it alone. So it's been a really interesting journey, this podcast, because we've done it for, is this the eighth episode? Maybe uh, the ninth? Yeah, yeah. Nah, probably seventh or eighth, yeah. Yeah. And when we started, my relationship was pretty good, going pretty strong, but it's actually recently broke down. And over quite a few weeks, including when we were recording this podcast, so... Yeah, it's quite awkward to talk about, but for the last five episodes, we've basically been broken up and um, it's always really hard to kind of keep the facade going on the podcast because, you know, at one stage I thought we were going to get back together. In fact, I think we all thought that for several weeks, but it's recently become pretty clear for all of us that we're going our separate ways, or at least I'm going my separate way and yeah. yeah, they're continuing on as a couple, so it's now, a bit pretty sad. Without obviously revealing their identity or anything about your, your personal life it's with not them. not Batman or Superman. Like <laughs> you can just go on my Instagram. I think everyone knows. How long were you with them? Uh, we were together for two and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. And your relationship is different to a, uh, a typical relationship because there was three of you. You were in a thruple. There, that's right. We were in a thruple. Yeah. So, I mean, I... Yeah, I guess it is pretty atypical. Um, there are a couple around in the city, but um, yeah, we were a thruple. Yeah. And obviously uh, I've known the backstory and, and what you've been going through the last, gee, what, two, three months now? Yeah, look, yeah, basically. Um, it's been a bit rocky for a while, but really it's like the last six weeks. I feel like, yeah, I've kind of been holding everything in, trying to keep going to work keep seeing my friends and it's kind of, it was at that point where things weren't going well, but we'd had rocky patches in the past and I just didn't really want to tell anyone because I thought it would resolve and I thought things were going to get better and they never did. Um, so yeah. And this is something that's really hard for me to say because I'm quite a proud person, but I, I got dumped. I got, I got dumped by two people and that was really painful. That's a very interesting layer on top of a breakup. Like you've got your typical breakup, but to be broken up by two people, mm. does it feel different to previous relationships that you've been in and have been broken up with? Not really. A lot of people, when I've told them that I have um, my relationship ended, they it's the first thing they ask, what does it feel like to have two people break up with you? And... I guess it feels the same. You still feel like intense sadness and loss and everything that's wrapped up in that. But I will say there is one kind of slightly comedic thing that I feel and it's like, well, not comedic, but it's just embarrassment basically and kind of frustration and disbelief that like there was two of you and not one of you wanted to be with me. I'm kind of like a bit, really? So was it? A mutual decision between the two people? Yes. Yeah, it was a mutual decision between them and me. 
not feeling mutually the same. So it's pretty hard for me to say as well. Like I, I guess I'm kind of laughing through it now because as we know, that's just my coping strategy. But yeah, it feels really embarrassing and I just feel so much shame that I couldn't make it work. Like I know when we got together, a lot of people didn't think we would last. Um, whether that was friends or family or just people in the community, I could kind of feel the the thought being like, wow, what's happening here? What's going to go on? Like it will just be a short-term thing. So I felt really proud when we were able to make it work for so long. Mm. And I guess that's where the shame comes from. It's like in some way I feel like I have to turn to all those people and say, yeah, you were right. It didn't, it didn't work. Almost. Do you feel like there's a sense of I told you so? the people around you or no look I mean the naysayers will always be there um I guess I haven't really thought about that that side of it it's just so much internal stuff at the moment I just can't stop thinking how will this affect me what will my life look like now it's going to look different yeah I think the idea that there was two people in my life who were helping to look after me and when that disappeared it's like I don't know if you get the feeling that when you're with someone, it's like you give part of your life to them, not in a physical or even an emotional sense, but the the kind of logistical part of being together. Like I'm not good at booking flights or booking holidays. So I gave that, that side of myself to one of my partners yeah. or he always did it. And the other one is really good at um, building things and I mean, he's an engineer. So whenever it was coming to like flat packing things, he would take care of that. So I guess now for the last few weeks – it's like you have to reclaim that mental cognitive space that you gave away because for me, being in a relationship has always been the shared responsibilities. Yeah. And obviously like a, a problem shared is a problem halved. So as someone who overthinks a lot of the time, in fact, I think I overthink everything, it was nice to kind of let go of that mental load. But now I guess in the midst of a breakup, which is really emotional, I'm trying to kind of reclaim all of that and it just made me feel really stressed and yeah there's been a lot going on it's still very raw though very raw yeah there's a lot to process there's a lot to unpack sounds like there's still a lot of conversations being had yeah there's conversations being had how well i mean this isn't a question for you but you know when you break up with someone it's not just that emotional detachment as you said it's also that shared responsibility, no longer being there, you having to fend for yourself, but it's also the routine. Exactly. I mean, um, while I still had my own house, my own accommodation, basically, I was living with them for five to six nights a week. So even the just the logistical things of getting clothes, like my whole wardrobe is there. So I, I now I'm trying to find you know bits and pieces and collect bits and pieces the shoes that I wear for work like that took a couple of days to to sort out yeah you shared a lot of clothes as well well yes and one of the benefits of well being a thruple all the same gender we all share the same clothes because we're all the same size and pants shoes everything so I mean now my wardrobe has been cut in two-thirds which yep. I mean if there wasn't a reason to get back with them it's it's that's the main one I would say <laughs> 
<laughs> How sad is this? <laughs> I've seen their sense of fashion. It's probably a good thing that you've moved on. Oh, shut up. <laughs> I think I elevated my fashion temporarily and now I'll go back to wearing the bin bags. Yeah, going back to, to Kmart and... Hey, don't mess with Anko. I love that <laughs> brand. And Anko, if you're out there, we want you to sponsor us. <laughs> I mean, you do have a singlet on the moment at the moment, which I think is from Coles. <laughs> so anyway, back to my relationship. <laughs> you're just lashing out. It's okay. I can cough it. Now, you've been through a lot together. And from my perspective, having known you before them, during and after, I have seen you change and grow in a, in a really great way through that time with them. Do you have any reflections on that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think you take anything from a relationship or from any relationship, you take things away with you. I've definitely got a lot more confident in settings I never thought I would have. And you've probably seen my exposure to the parts of the gay world that I never saw before. Like when I mean, we did a whole episode on circuit, so people know how intense that can be. Um, yeah, and I feel like I feel much more comfortable in that world now. And even though it seems superficial and shallow, it's nice to know there's an area of the community that I'm not scared of anymore. Yeah. It's all full of fake bitches anyway, half of which probably listening to this podcast. But, yeah, it feels it feels good that I kind of conquered that fear. Yeah. Um, and we, we've done a lot together and it's been really great. And, I mean, there's not – there's not bad blood between us. So I guess part of the reason that I was comfortable to, to talk about this topic on our podcast is obviously because I'm so comfortable with you, but the breakup has been really hard. And I feel like there's probably a few people that can relate to that, not necessarily becoming untangled from a three-way relationship, but just people, you know, breaking up and becoming detached from one another. It's, it can be a bit messy and there's things to unpick and there's things that you had planned that you now no longer can do. And while you're trying to do all of that, there's like intense emotions swirling around in your head, sadness, devastation, frustration, and anger are all kind of nipping at me the whole time when you're trying to make decisions about your future, where you should live, what you should do. Mm. And you start questioning everything, your job, your other relationships or even just your friends or your family, it's hard not to feel judged as well, especially with something that feels as public as this. And I haven't really told anyone um, for the, if you've seen me in the last month, basically, I've, I've been hiding this secret. If we were just chatting, even just at work or maybe out in a bar or something, I've basically been in huge amounts of pain, which I didn't want to show anyone. And I didn't want to bring it up because in some ways that would make it real. Mm. And in some ways I didn't want people to know. But it's also how do you bring it up? Well, exactly. I always, I was having this conversation with a close family member. It's like, if, how do I bring it up without, without sounding completely full of myself? Like it's not in conversation like, oh, by the way, I, I got dumped or mm. my partner's you know, they're no longer around because people go, well, that's a bit weird that you said that out of the blue. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Am I just feeling really... But like, it's also, it, it's different when you're an adult. Like it's different for say being back in high school, breaking up with someone and just changing your Facebook status to single. Well, yes. But then I feel like there's an element of that where you can like go on Instagram and post a story and like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I've thought about like 
kind of crazy ways of telling people that we broke up from that to, I don't know, deleting photos of them. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. But I mean, people, people, do, people do it. Do that. And like, I thought about doing it, which is insane because, you know, we're still so good together. Yeah. But it's hard because how do you tell this secret to people that you just don't want to talk about? Exactly. You don't want to have this sign on your head saying I'm single. Yeah. You end up like me on Valentine's Day. <laughs> That joke was too easy, but I laughed anyway because I love you. But I think I know how to do it, and that's through a tin pot podcast <laughs> with no <laughs> listeners. <laughs> like I've officially told the world. You mean you've told three people? I babe. have told three people. The other thing that I've been reflecting on, and oh by the way, I'm I'm still going to psych at a much higher intensity and frequency. It's now. good. The one thing I've been reflecting on is how much power I have regained from just accepting that I got broken up with. How? How, how do you accept? Well, I guess for a while, like, I mean, nothing is completely, no one's without fault. There was a, you know, everyone has their own story. And I could have spun it in a way that was like, you know, it was much more mutual because there were parts of it that were more mutual. But at the end of the day, I wanted to continue and they didn't want to continue. So I I guess I repressed that or just ignored it for a long period of time. And about three days ago, I thought, you know what? I got dumped and it sucks, but I got to stop lying to myself that it didn't happen because there was a lot of power in me accepting that. Um, I don't know how else to describe it mm. apart from that. I just feel better and not from a sympathy point of view, just like it just happened and I can call it what it is you know like naming something is really powerful yeah so when when you say the words i've just been dumped what emotions go through you what thoughts go through your head when you hear that out loud now i feel proud that i can say it that i'm not running away from things Mm, that's massive yeah and i don't know my emotions you know a breakup is sometimes you feel great and other times you feel crap but at the moment and for the last couple of days, I, I feel okay. I feel like, yep, that's what happened. At least you can say it. Yep. Have you done anything different over the last few days? Oh, my God, yes. I feel like my whole routine is out of whack. I mean, as I said in the intro, I mean, I've literally caught up with like 15 people. I'm just filling my day with social activities. Yeah. But also trying to make space at the end of the day for like – to be alone and take that time to kind of process what's happened. Um, so I, I, I tried to do things alone that we would have previously done together. For example, I went to one of the fringe shows by myself. I bought a ticket and I rocked up and yeah, I did it. Tell me about that. Let's dive into that experience. Cause that's not something that I've ever heard you do. No, ever. no, like, definitely not. Um, I kind of did it in a moment of like, post breakup like energy where you're like, I can do this by myself. I booked the ticket and then I was like, oh fuck, that's coming up. Um, on the day I felt okay, but I will say I felt pretty lonely walking into the venue by myself. Um, I went to the, you know, when you rock up early and like catch up with a friend at the mm. bar. So I like, I did that, but I had no one to talk to. So I, I rocked up like 15 minutes early and then I was like, oh fuck, I'm way too early. Um, so I went to the bar, I got a drink and I kind of stood around the bar area for a little bit, just thinking like, what if someone comes up and talks to me, which didn't happen because it's Perth. Did you, um, like I've, I've done similar things 
I remember in the moment I, I look around, I'm like, all right, there's someone here that I've got, I've got to know someone here, surely. That didn't happen until when I was walking into the venue. Cause I was at fringe. So we're in the garden area. And then as I was lining up for the show, I actually saw like basically my uncle going to the same show. I should point out that the reason I went to this show is because my cousin was performing in it. She's, um, she's not strictly my cousin, but it's a family friends that have been around for ages Anyway, it was the last performance of their run and her parents weren't due to be there. So I just imagine I'd sit in the audience, wave at the end and say goodbye if she had come out or whatever. So, but they were actually there. So I guess I consider this to be a win and also not a win because they said you should sit with us for the whole show, which I did because I'm so insecure about being alone. Yeah, but I think you did the hard part. You did the 15 minutes at the start where you were by yes, yourself. Yes, the 15 minutes was all the work and now I'm not going to do any more working on myself and I am going to be the new Dalai Lama. I am healed. I'm completely healed. No emotional trauma, <laughs> no intergenerational trauma. It's fine. But realistically, that's the hardest part because that's when you're stuck with your own thoughts and not knowing what to do. Whereas with the show, you've got your attention on something. You're yeah. in the moment. Well, that's the thing. It was like it was like doing something that was a challenge, but then I was completely distracted the whole time. So maybe like you know, a step up from that is like doing yoga or something where you really don't have a lot of distraction. What about going to the gym by yourself? That's the same as... Yeah. So, I mean, that is hard because we used to do that together. Yeah. We're three gym people, basically. It is tricky. I did the whole... I did a whole week of gym by myself. And while I used to do little bits here and there because of my schedule, which didn't always align, it is really... It's it's really hard. Um, And, yeah... There's not really much to say about it. You just put on a podcast or an angry playlist or even a loved up playlist if you're feeling particularly delusional and you just lift weights and get over it. I will say that the another there's been a couple of really difficult things. When um, I had com- I had hard convers- harsh conversations before doing shopping on two occasions, which is just really strange. But basically I had a phone call and wasn't going well and I knew it was over and I went in just to IGA to get like a few things and I got to the bread aisle I just wanted one bread Abbott's grains and seeds again not sponsored and it was sold out and I couldn't work out what to do because the bread that I wanted was gone and there was all these other breads and none of them were like on special and I didn't really have any affinity to any other type so I just stood there and I stood there for a long time, like maybe four or five minutes, uh, kind of pacing up and down the aisle, trying to work out what to do. Because the bread wasn't there? Not because the bread wasn't there. Because inside my head, it was like a war of emotion and that was taking up so much space. I couldn't even fucking think about bread. I just... It's like I I had a tiny amount of cognitive space remaining and that was set on the bread that I wanted. And since that was gone, I couldn't switch the plan. I couldn't work out how to work out if I wanted another type of bread. I just, all I knew that I was hurting so much that this, whatever was in front of me, the plan that I went to the shop, that bread was gone, but Mm. I couldn't switch gears. I couldn't change it. In the end, I ended up grabbing crumpets, which again, not a good substitute And I walked around the aisles at probably half speed, like basically walking heel to toe, just so despondent. 
and I was trying to bring up the ingredients for like pasta bolognese and there's only like five things in them. And even though I could think of where, what the ingredient was, I couldn't work out where it was in the aisle. Like I couldn't quite mm. get the pragmatics of it. Yep, like yep. the, it's so hard. And then that's made me realize the, the functional task of shopping is so cognitively draining because you need to, when something's not there or you can't find it, you got to switch, you got to get that substitute. Yeah. Yep. Your executive functioning just has been impacted. And the other thing is planning. I couldn't work out what to plan for the week because I knew that I basically couldn't make it through right now. So if it's Friday night and I can't work out what to do with my life, what the fuck am I going to do for Wednesday night dinner or breakfast on Thursday morning in almost a week? Mm. Like it was a disaster. And I just spent so long at the shops and got like half of what I needed to. And I think that's when I realized I wasn't, I wasn't okay. I had someone come over straight away and just sit with me. Yeah, and those symptoms or scenarios that you've just described are scenarios that people who experience PTSD very frequently express, particularly that shopping example. Oh, wow. The ability to have that cognitive space to make a decision because of everything that they've been through and everything that they've processed. They just do not have the cognitive capacity to be able to make a decision. I've definitely identify, yeah, with that summary. Mm. The other thing that was really hard the other day is <laughs> I was walking around the house, tr- like I'd go into a room to get something and then I was, again, thinking about my s- situation and um, I couldn't think of what to do in the room. So I just kept sitting down like on surfaces and just kind of looking out the window for a bit and then I'd go into the lounge room and I don't even like the lounge that we have at the moment. But I just sat there for like 45 minutes even the act of pulling out my phone seemed like it was too much in that moment. So I just sat in silence and kind of thought and it was really weird. I felt so lost. That's so interesting because a few weeks ago on this show, you were saying you know, your phone is your break glass in case of emergency. It is. And that's why I found it so strange. The act of putting my hand into my pocket and bringing out the phone was just like, God, it feels like my hand's made of like, lead or something it just things felt so enc- not encompassing but so much larger and harder than they had to be like the effort required to move my foot when I was walking it was like I was climbing Mount Everest mm-hmm. and I've never felt that before because I've and I mean I'm always ashamed to say this because so many people I know have struggled with mental health issues I've I've never ever had any kind of thought that, wow, this is something that is not right or not just not right, but I don't, I don't know how to describe it. I've never had that thought that I've had a mental health condition or obviously like I'm going through things with therapy. Actually, even now I feel like I'm contradicting myself, but I thought maybe this is what people with depression feel like. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, wow, what a horrible symptom this mm. is. And I, I did snap out of it after 30 minutes or 45 minutes, but yeah, it was scary. Yeah. And in reality, it, it comes in waves and you'll probably face this over the next week or so because it's still so fresh. Going back to what you were saying around being able to make a decision, I'm in awe at how you still managed to perform at work over the last few weeks. Oh. Like I obviously knew that what you were going through, but I could probably say, you know, other people within the team wouldn't think anything else because you're the exact same. That's um... You did a big presentation the other week. Oh, you managed yeah. to perform. 
Well, I mean, that's the thing. When I was doing the presentation, my phone was blowing up with messages of, they weren't particularly positive. They were painful, hard messages. And I just had to silence it all. Like I just turned notifications off my watch, put my phone into airplane mode. And it was hard. I had to get up there and present to people in our company that I felt like they didn't care about my breakup or it wasn't their problem that my personal life is basically crashing and cracking around me. But I just had to pull it all together and do it. And I did it. And nobody died. It will be okay. It was dead boring, but... Oh, fuck me. Yours was worse. <laughs> I think I think because yours was so bad, I went, you know what? I may as well give this a shot. And that's how good a friend I am. The comparison is amazing. <laughs> There's definitely been times in work where I am struggling so bad and I don't don't want anyone to know. I want to hide in all the pain. That feels like it's leaking out of my body. It's just... It, I guess it's wrapped up in the shame. Like it's like me saying I, I couldn't make it work. This is what I failed at. And I know that's unhealthy and I am trying to address that through a series of like self-help YouTube videos and it's working. But I feel like in particular at work I have to hold it together. You know, when you're a young professional, again, we've spoken about it before, like I didn't want to bring in my trauma or my pain or my emotions. It's not fair on the client. We did touch on vulnerability last week. and Yeah, we did, yeah. I, I know the themes of what you were expressing was around this situation. Yeah. I almost wanted to talk about it last week, but I wasn't ready to talk about it. Yeah. So it's, it's tricky. But I reckon there'll be people out there that listen that can understand that work is your distraction. Like work is what can finally take you away from your reality for a moment or your private life and just like, you know, work. But then you're at work and you can't really focus on it mm. because you feel like your whole world's imploding. It's funny because I've been through other negative things that have affected me historically. And I remember you saying, just take the time off work. And I'd always say, no, nah, I'd rather just be at work because mm. if I'm not at work, I'm at home with my own thoughts. Yeah, exactly. It's like, some people said that to me. It's like, well, just take the time off and be at home. I'm like, yeah, but home sucks. Mm. Like, why do I want to be there? It's that, that distraction. That's what I was looking for. But it's fascinating, like, the fact that you can be that affected with your depression or being upset that you can't make a decision at home or you can't make a decision to buy something outside of bread. Yet for some reason within that work context, you know, we, we deal with a higher level of cognitive demands in our workplace. You still can perform for, for some reason. Yeah, I guess I don't, I, I understand what you're saying. I wonder if every workplace feels the same way. I mean, for, for reference, we work in healthcare. So there's a lot of, there can be some sticky situations and a lot of compassion fatigue and mm. a lot of issues where you feel emotion and compassion. But is that true of a lot of workplaces? People need to pull it together to work. I mean, my housemate's a lawyer. She deals with situations that are highly stressful, as would someone who... I don't know, takes care of other people or responsible for people like a pilot or even a bus driver. I think every job has its own stressful demands. I agree. Even in a small business, if you your boss is kind of like watching you closely or you feel like you're on your last chance, it's got to be stressful. Or if you're in this position in a small business and your life's falling apart. Mm. And there's no one to hide behind. Mm. I, I see what you're saying. I guess it's me saying I'm not really that special, but 
I mean, that's thanks exactly for what I'm saying. Well, you've been saying that for a while, so I'm just not listening. <laughs> and it's not these headphones either. <laughs> Have you ever had that experience where you felt like your life is just crashing around you or a part of your life and you've got to hold it together? Probably not to the extent of what you're going through. You mean you didn't have two boyfriends that broke up with you on the same day at the same time? <laughs> wow. Weird. <laughs> I, I'd i like to think that people passing away or death would probably be the biggest thing that I've experienced, but... Yeah, that is hard. It, we've done this show for eight episodes now and it's quite clear that I, I can't hold or maintain a relationship... Oh, God, no. I haven't really been in a relationship with someone long-term to be broken up with. True. I've done the breaking up or I have been rejected. and Yeah, but I guess longevity or duration of a relationship doesn't dictate intensity. So have you ever felt to the same extent that I felt, even maybe after a, a fling? I mean, you're emotionally invested in, I don't know, Every a barista other. that hands you a coffee cup, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I do recall back in uni a particular person um, which was on and off for quite a long time and nothing that's really affected me. I'm not going to go into it because it's... Oh, this podcast is a perfect place to explore your emotional trauma. I mean, basically therapy. <laughs> um, do they listen to the podcast? Uh, no, no. Oh. Um, we've no longer a part of each other's lives. Ouch. Probably for the better. But yeah, I, I do recall having to perform at uni still or having to rock up, being in a class with her, knowing everything that's going on in the background and just pretending that it's okay. Yeah, that that mask of like, everything's fine, like la 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 la, and inside you're like basically screaming mm. and crying mm. and so angry. Yeah. I actually saw her last year for the first time in about three or four years. Right. And it was at a funeral. Wow. Actually. So just really, the, that's a very... It was a great day. A neutral setting for everyone. <laughs> but was she in the casket? Oh, my God. <laughs> no. Did you want her to be? Oh, my God. I would like to plead the fifth. <laughs> but I, I remember in that situation there, like, you know, it was another tragic, very upsetting... But it sounds like a really hard situation that you were in. And what was the outcome? Well, we were there and I was too, my cognitive space was too focused on her being there that I felt like I wasn't in the moment, the whole ceremony. Oh, that sucks because you were there for them and then all of a sudden it was about the other person. Mm, and I know we touched on, you know, what I'm like with death and, and funerals last week. And, and this was a very big example that I was too distracted by what I was going through that I wasn't present in the moment. Look, I'm going to give you a bit of advice or direction. Don't beat yourself up about that. The other week, my grandfather was in hospital and it was really serious. And my relationship took over and I didn't really think about it that much, which sounds so horrible. And if any members of my family are here, I'm really sorry. But I was distracted by something mm. that was happening that was more acute than the other thing. And I know what that feels like. I don't think that's an example of you um, being a bad person or not being in touch with your emotions because I think I would have been in the same boat. Yeah. Don't feel bad about that. Yeah, well, I don't feel better you saying you're the same thing because we're the exact same person. And who's to say we have the moral ground of... Oh, we're completely <laughs> fucked up. Yeah, yeah, That's why yeah. we're doing this podcast. 
But no, it was interesting. At one stage she went to comfort me and she put her hand on my shoulder and all I wanted to do was give her a hug because, you know, six years ago we would have been that person for each other. Of course. Like the, yeah. the minute that, you know, anything bad happened in my day, I'd go straight to her and vice versa. Yet this was a really intense moment full of sadness. And it was almost like, you know, that hand on the shoulder, it, it, it made me curl up because I just wanted to release and turn around and give her a hug, but I knew I couldn't. Mm. I think that's something that I identify with. It's like, how do you switch roles when you've seen someone as something your whole life or for me, people? Like, how do you step back that role? Mm. I can't do it. I, I've tried. I just can't. And it sounds like for you, did you just have to fully turn away? I had a drink bottle in my hand and I was squeezing that drink bottle. Yeah, I meant like emotionally turn oh. away, not physically, you idiot. <laughs> God's sake. You're so cold <laughs> and Asian. Is that mutually exclusive? Or <laughs> Have you maintained friendships with people that you've previously been in a relationship with? Yeah, I have actually. I've dated some great guys um, and I've had, I have really good relationships with a lot of them. They're not close relationships, but you know, if I see them out, hug and a kiss or whatever mm. on the cheek, obviously. Um, I think it, it helps because a lot of those guys, well, not a lot, there's not I mean, a huge amount of them, but you know, they're in other relationships and I've always felt quite secure in the way that we broke up. There is one that I don't talk to that I actually don't have in my life at all. I was in a, I was in a emotionally abusive relationship when I was uh, 22, 23. And yeah, it was really bad. I didn't realize how bad it was until I got out and I can't have that person in my life. And they tried for probably 12 months to consistently get back in my life. And my family know that because they, that person would message them asked them to send things to me, dropped off gifts at my workplace, threatened to destroy me. It would not be uncommon for people to randomly message me and say, I don't know you, but this guy on Grindr or some other dating app where you message people, just pay me a hundred bucks to send this message. And this is his number. And oh he my wants God. To talk. Yeah, it was, it was rough. I had that message several times where people Jesus. were just getting money to literally just forward on messages to me. I had blocked that person on every social media site. And I mean, they were still trying to reach out through like LinkedIn. I was just... Oh my God. Yeah, it was really rough. I've never told you about how bad that was, but it was bad. And you managed to get through that? That's Yeah, I did. Um, it was tricky, but it happened. And I think when I said no, I really said no. So mm. there wasn't any of that back and forth. Yeah. So how do you feel about the future? You've got a, a couple of new things in the pipeline, holidays. Yeah, that's true. I'm going to Sydney uh, for Mardi Gras World Pride. So two weeks over there, catching up with some friends. And I think I'll be trying to kind of reclaim or just be comfortable being more independent. So if you're in Sydney... And you want to hang out with a sad boy. Oh, God, that <laughs> sounds so kinky. Does it? That's a sad. How's that kinky? Well, anyone in Sydney, if you feel sorry for me, hit me up. If you like me, hit me up. Just hit me up regardless. So, yeah, I'll be there. Um, well, the beginning of World Pride. I mean, any gay knows when that is. So, You're going to tell us the address as well? And 
No, God, you might rock up. That'd be a disaster. <laughs> no, it sounds like you're pretty desperate. Oh, I totally am. Why do you think I'm doing this podcast? <laughs> We're going to put my mobile number in the episode notes. Yeah. <laughs> I am feeling okay about the future at the moment. That will probably change at 9pm tonight when I'm trying to sleep and everything replays in my head. Probably this podcast replaying in my head would make me feel the worst because it's not good content. <laughs> can, can I finish off with something? Sure. And I don't mean to be a therapist right now, but... You've been trying for the last couple of weeks. I can't help it. You asked this question to me a few weeks ago, and I want to reflect it back to you. Who is Jordan? Who are you? If I were to, I don't know, flog you off on a, on a blind date, how would I describe you to the other person? You're going to flog me off on a date? Jesus Christ. You want me to answer that? Mm, who, yeah. God, this feels very vulnerable. Well, I guess I I like being known as someone that's caref- not carefree but happy and can see the positive. And I think comedy and laughter come with that. I want to make people laugh so hard they cry and like forget about their worries for a little bit. And I also want to understand them. That's why I spend so long talking to everyone that I meet um, kind of always late for things because I get chatting to like, I don't know, the barista or something. I like understanding people and feel like I'm, I don't know, making them feel heard. So I'd like that to be on there. I'm struggling with the other elements of that. I think if you ask me in a couple of weeks where I'm further through the breakup, I'll have different things to say. Mm. But I guess those qualities of you are, are qualities of Jordan, the person, not Jordan, the person in the thruple. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot of identity that comes with the thruple. Mm, there was a lot, of, like even from my friends who have never met you. Well, yes, I mean, it felt like everybody knew who we were at one point. But then there's also a lot of identity that is lost, that gets swallowed up in the collective whole of the thruple. It's a tricky one. It's a, it's a tricky one if you are wanting to stand out like I am. Like, I, I like that praise and you get it. You get it from being a three. I mean, I, as I said, like, everyone knows what you look like and you mm. go to those circuit parties and they follow you online and they message you and all of that comes with being in the thruple. But, but you always share in a group, so it's hard. Exactly. You're sharing that praise. Could you still get that praise as a solo? I don't well, let me say, when I joined the Thruple, I'd never received the kind of attention. Mm. So I think that is definitely a part of me that I'm struggling to let go of. But I don't think it's a particularly healthy part. My therapist doesn't think it's healthy either. So, Do you believe it's not healthy? Yeah, I think it's not healthy. I think a lot of people look at me online and see... Well, at least I know a lot of people saw me as having this like perfect life and it's unique what we had. I mean, not only were the adults, but those adults had children and we had a blended poly family at one point. And so that got a lot of attention. And I think people in the gay community looked to that as some sort of blueprint for a family because gay people having had marriage excluded or they were excluded from marriage for so long, 
they we don't have the same blueprint that you guys have. Like we will never just one day kind of accidentally get pregnant and then all of a sudden there's a marriage and there's obviously, you know, children and a house and a white picket fence. Like that sort of stuff doesn't really happen in the gay world. And they had it and I joined the clan and we had it. And it's hard to walk away from. And I wonder how, I mean, maybe I'm thinking I'm bigger than I am, but I wonder how my breakup will affect those people that looked so favorably on that blueprint. I've had people come up to me and say, like, you know, a lot of people are following what is happening with you guys as a, like, kind of as a weird social experiment, but just the fact that, like, oh, wow, you can be married with kids and add someone and mm. everything can kind of be okay. And mm. we had this very glamorous life where you know, we flew all over the world and went on holidays and did all of that. And we were on social media. And so I guess I don't know where that question was, but that's what I wanted to say. Can I finish with one more question? Okay. Would you go into another poly relationship? I don't think so, which I think I, I wonder if that will be hard to hear for some people who saw me as this poster child for Polly or Thrupples. And I felt that pressure at times because I know a lot of people say, I've always wanted to do it. I've never seen it done so well. And I just thought, wow, if we ever break up, like that kind of sucks for you. At the moment it's too painful and I, I have a lot of thoughts about Polly, but I never wanted to be the poster child for it. I I always saw myself as someone that just, just fell in love with two people. I mean, I didn't even really, I had some experiences of loving more than one person, but I didn't know what it was. And nobody, none of us wanted to be it. We mm. ju- it just happened. We just fell in love. Can I control who I fall in love with again? No. Will I be more guarded if there's more than one person? Probably. That's just life. That's just trauma. That's just trauma. Maybe that should be the title of this podcast. (laughs) Anyway, I hope that everyone has got something. I hope someone's got something out of what I've said today. I don't have an agenda. I just wanted to say what it was like to, to uncouple from something that is so strong. And that's my story of what's been happening in my life. Is that all? Yeah, that's all. It's pretty basic. (laughs) No, thank you so much. That was, I know, very difficult to record for you. Um, And I think you should be very proud of what you've said. And And I'm proud of what we created and what we had. And sometimes I just have to remember that when it gets tricky. And it gets tricky, so...